To watch this on YouTube, search Steepcast episode 18. Steepcast 18, you know the drill. Let's get to it. Our Knuckle Huck Ski Finals video has premiered, so if you haven't watched it by now, what are you doing? We even have special guest Tom Wallace give us his thoughts on the winning run, so go watch that. Yeah, big shout out to the big cheese, Tom Wallace. You can enter our snowboard knuckle huck right now. Submissions are going through May 17th on our website, and you can find that link down below in the description. Stefan Just Steep It has a new Can You Steep It challenge, so check out his Instagram for full details. You have to copy exactly what he did in his challenge by jumping through and on one of the rock formations in Alaska. So go check it out. You can catch it playing in the background right now, but Check My Steez 6 went to villain. And there's going to be a new Check My Steez in Alaska. Head on over to Pyramid Bergschrind. Those runs are due May 13th, and you can find more details on the Check My Steez Discord. That's all the steep news for this week, so it is time for... This week, we started off with a picture from X-Man 2007. I saw this picture on Reddit, and I could not help but picture myself in those boots. We are all waiting to get back on the mountains, and we can't shame you for doing whatever it takes to get that feeling back. We got a clip called Just Walk It Off from Tangy Tenders, where he's skiing down the backside of one of the mountains, takes a little bit of a wipeout, and then glitches out, stretches, and then shoots up into the sky. This has been happening to me recently too, so always an entertaining glitch to see you fly up and then take about 10-20 seconds to come crashing back down. <laughs> just uh, yeah, just give me a second. There it goes. Okay, I'm just recording over the ice cream truck. I'm sorry if you can still hear it. Our next one comes from Nate Hotshot. I didn't know Billiards was a part of Steep, but sure enough, Nate found a way to make it work, catapulting off of the board of another player. That's hilarious. Jury69 submitted a wicked cinematic Steep montage that uses a lot of different sports and some great tunes, so check out the link for the full video below. And we're wrapping up this week with a post from Alexis T. This screenshot is breathtaking. I mean, look at all the different colors of blue. That lens flare is professionally done. I would be lying if I said I didn't want this as my PlayStation background. Well done. Thanks to everyone for submitting their content to r steep on Reddit. It makes the Reddit roundup what it is. And now it's time to move over to the main topic. Well, if you joined us this weekend, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed the video. If you haven't yet, pause this video and go and watch it right now, because we're gonna be discussing the behind the scenes of the Knuckle Huck tournament that we just ran last week. So what do you think went great with this video? Let's start off with that. Starting off with the good is always good. I, I think at the end it came together exactly what we were hoping for and almost better mm -hmm. we kind of nailed it looking just like the broadcast that we wanted it to the commercial was great and of course 
getting Tom Wallace to watch the winning runs and then give his thoughts on it. Oh, that commercial was so great. Thank you, Stefan, for that. Getting that video back from Tom was incredible. I mean, I, I really think that motivated us to go above and beyond for this video to make it look as professional and broadcast ready as possible. You, you can't mess up when Tom's watching, right? I also think for the most part, the scoring and the judging of the runs went pretty well. The, especially during the finals, it came down to, I think the top three were the ones that I agreed with, even though I wasn't a judge. I think they did have the three best total three run submission pack. We've been in a lot of discussion over on our Discord about this. It was a culmination of all three of their scores for their final totals, right? Do, do you want to explain how the scoring worked a little more in depth? Yeah, so once all the runs were submitted, I created a blank spreadsheet that had a link to each run, and then it had a spot for the judge to enter their points for the creativity, technicality, and execution. After they judged all the runs, they could see the rider's overall score. So then if they really wanted to, they could go back and tweak some of the scores in case after judging, you know, 78 clips, they were like, oh, this person I think had better overall, but my score doesn't show that, so I'm gonna make a few tweaks. Yeah, right. And then the final page combined all of the judges' scores and gave that as an average for each rider. So I know some judges were worried that they were going to judge much more harshly than another judge, but in the end that doesn't matter because as long as their scores compare to themselves well, uh, it's been a year since statistics, but there's some word for that. Internal consistency. Regardless, they all agreed on who had kind of the best runs and the worst runs. Well, and that's the other thing that we're playing with here, right, is the fact that there is no dead set. This is a perfect knuckle huck run. This is what you're aiming for. There's no definitive 10. Like there's, you know, it's such a creative competition and it's meant to be lighthearted, fun, creative, an outlet for those athletes who are striving for perfection in other disciplines. So it's kind of difficult to sit down and tell these judges, you know, Look at this run. This is the best run that you'll ever see. Now rate these other runs on that one. It's so free flowing and there's so many options of what to do on that knuckle. It's it's almost overwhelming. And I had both contestants and even the judges, they would ask like, is a person allowed to do this? Or does like this count or should this kind of hurt their score? And at the end of it, I just said, watch the runs, score based on the categories and then if you feel that someone should miss points for something or you know gain some points for a different part of it, then you can go ahead and kind of add that in the end if you want to. So it doesn't really matter if one judge doesn't love seeing a little bit of rail work beforehand because the other judge might. And we did see a little bit of rail work last weekend. And like you just said, that's perfectly fine. The judges are focused on the trick that you perform on the knuckle. The actual event takes place right on the cusp of that downhill. So whatever you do before that might add some flair and might improve your overall score for that run, but is in no way, shape or form going to be the only reason why you rank where you are. It's going to be what happens on that knuckle. Yeah, and the best example, uh, there'll be a top 10 tricks overall video coming out soon, I believe this Friday or Saturday. 
But what you'll see is that the winner of the entire competition, Felician, none of his three runs had any sort of rail work. But the second best run overall, he starts off on the rail, but he scored the second best trick overall because he came off the rail, did a bow and arrow grab, which no one else used, and dragged his tips on the knuckle. So jumping from the rail added a little bit more creativity to it, but that wasn't the reason he had the best trick. Well, I am really looking to improve upon this entire video, both of these, the qualifier and the final video, with our snowboard knuckle huck coming out later this month. We're gonna be able to fix a lot of those errors that we had in the first try of this, like, uh, okay, I'll address it. I looked like garbage and I sounded like garbage when we were both on our video cams. That was an error that happened in the minute. It was miserable, I was so angry with it, but I think it turned out okay for what it was. Yeah, for the most part, it's gonna be stuff that we wanna fix or that we see is wrong with the video. Uh, whenever you make videos, um, everyone tends to agree that you see all of the problems with it and everyone else just sees, you know, the idea of the theme and how awesome it ends up being. We were recording over a Discord video call. In the qualifiers, it went perfectly. The audio sounded great. The video and the audio synced up perfectly. So it was, it was drag and drop into video editing. It was perfect. For the finals, Discord started crapping out on us. Nick went down to one frame per second on my end and I was recording it. The audio got messed up. We switched over to Skype, but then that had its own lag issues, but at the end of the day, I, uh, we had to heavily edit the audio to get it to an acceptable point before it could even be put in the timeline. Uh, there was no we with that. That was all you. I have no idea how you pulled it out. I think it was 10 hours from the fix to the correction, and then the final video was sent to me for my uh, my review. So if there's anyone to applaud or thank for this thing coming to life and being as great as it was, it's absolutely you and all of your work on my crud videos that I sent. I think that came down to an internet issue too, not even on our end, but just the overall internet, I guess. I'm not too technical on that, but you know, I think it was just kind of overloaded. So video quality was getting cut and wasn't anything that we could really kind of fix if we wanted to record that day, which we did. After we filmed that, I debated going out and purchasing a DSLR so I could hook it up to my MacBook and shoot with that as a webcam. So there would be no drop of frames at all. I would just record solid and then send you the exported video. But uh, I think I'm jumping the gun on that. I think we can improve on the stream services and how we did it the last time for the snowboard. We are both very proud of these two videos and this contest coming back to life. I don't know about you, but I never saw the Tartiflet games coming back and being better than it was the first time way back in 2017. Yeah, during the second Tartiflet games, we had 20 contestants and we wanted to make it nice and competitive. So I had to film every single person's run to make sure they only got two attempts, and if they crashed, that counted. So we never got to the finals. We gave up in the semifinals, I believe. That was the last video posted. And then I think about uh, at the beginning of Steepcast, we were going to give away some old Tardiflex game stickers we had for 100 subscribers. And I think I might have actually thrown them out when I was moving in the summer because I didn't think we would need them again. Oh no, that's a tragedy. 
Thankfully, we got the knuckle huck in the X Games this year and then saw some awesome knuckle huck submissions about Steep, so we thought, let's bring the games back. It's already the X Games equivalent that we wanted, so let's start off with knuckle huck and I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I think we have a better grasp on what we want to achieve this time around, so we're probably going to end up having to print some more stickers pretty soon, huh? I know at least I'll want some or, you know, a poster for the wall whenever we film live shots or a t-shirt or something, so definitely want to see that logo out there again. Well, as we all anxiously await the Tartiflette Games Summer Collection, available at JCPenney's, I'm just kidding, you can submit your snowboard knucklehuck runs up until May 17th. You can submit those runs on our website. That's nickandmitch.com slash knucklehuck. And let's not forget about Real Ski coming up after Snowboard Knucklehuck. Now that's one I can't wait to do. That is going to be so much fun. All right, enough of this. Let's head on over to the weekly challenge. So we got one submission for our 90s weekly challenge. It comes from Lucas, and somehow he's standing on the tips of his skis here. It kind of reminds me of Ski Ballet. Excuse me, what? You don't know about Ski Ballet? Ski Ballet? Oh, buddy. Well, I'm going to send you this uh, video right now, and then I think we should pick this up after you watch it. I'll show a little bit of it here as well. Yeah, learn me some Ski Ballet here. This isn't a real thing. This isn't skiing. What the hell is this? What? What 80s acid trip? What on earth? This isn't skiing. I mean, that is kind of impressive. Those spins. Okay. I just can't believe you haven't seen that before because I've seen this clip several times over the past few years, just popping up out of nowhere. Definitely a sport that existed only in the 80s, maybe bled into the 90s a bit, but I would love to see that come back just for fun. Oh, geez, you would break your ankles if you tried to do that. Well, thanks for doing the 90s weekly challenge, Lucas. Next week, we have submissions open for How Did I Get Here? Photoshop yourself somewhere funny. Make us ask the question, How did they get there? And for the following week, we did this last time, so it's going to be snowboard knuckle huck pictures. So send us some cool snowboarding pictures on the knuckle, and we might use them for something in the future. You can submit both weekly challenges to Discord or Twitter using the hashtag SteepCast. We got one question this week because I jumped into the Discord last minute and asked someone to come up with one. But Sir Cholex asked us if we could uh, tell a little bit about our time skiing and some funny stuff that happened or some stories that we have. Well, one comes to mind right away, and I think I was in 7th or 8th grade, and I thought I was a pretty decent snowboarder. Spoiler alert, in college I learned that I am much better at skiing. But anyway, I was on my snowboard in the trick park, hitting the boxes because I could do the boxes. I was really proud of myself. And they had just put in the Dutour half pipe because the Dutour was coming in town to audition riders for the national tour that year. And I saw the half pipe and I was like, oh, badass, let's go down the half pipe, right? I go down, I did not realize how tall the walls of a half pipe were until I was riding down the middle of it risking my life 
because there were guys coming down and doing actual runs and practicing for their competition the next day. And there was just some little eighth grader kid putzing down the middle of the half pipe because he realized he couldn't do anything on that. I wish somebody was videotaping because I can only imagine how hilarious it must have looked with semi-professional guys screaming at this kid and I couldn't do anything. I was trapped in the middle of this ice wall. So I just, you know, made my way down real nice and smooth. I didn't fall, but I did look like an ass. And what about you? I do agree that I am a much better skier than a snowboarder. I think skiing's a bit easier, but my story comes from when I was learning, not learning how to ski. I think it's probably eight, nine, ten years old. So I've been skiing for quite a few years, but I managed to twist one leg around completely, like inside. So imagine doing a pizza on skis, but with one foot and then a going 180. So hold on, hold on. Please tell me that this is a funny story. Oh, it gets there. It's it's hilarious. I can't believe I forgot this story for so long in my life. But uh, it was enough where I was going to need at least snow patrol to get down the mountain and get it checked out. It ended up being, I think, like a sprain of my knee. I know kids' bones are very flexible, so somehow, like, from my knee down, twisted inside out, but my hip was fine. Anyways, the snow patrol showed up on a snowmobile, and then they also have that, you know, that device that the ski patrol guy holds a sled and skis down on that, essentially. So they asked me which one I wanted to take down the mountain, if I wanted to ride in the sled or if I wanted to ride on the back of the snowmobile. They thought, he's a seven-year-old kid, he's gonna want to take the the sled down the mountain, so they had that off of the snowmobile already. And I was like, no, I kind of want to ride a snowmobile. So they go, okay. And then the snowmobile starts to move off. And one of the ski patrol guys is that had shown up just kind of gets off the snowmobile to let me ride down. And he was going to get another ride back. And they forgot to attach the sled back to the snowmobile. So that started going down the hill, which was pretty steep. And the snow patrol guy just had to start booking it runs about 30 feet to catch up and then just jumps onto the sled belly first and like rides it down the mountain. (laughs) (laughs) So you weren't, you weren't on the sled, right? You were just happily, seven-year-old Mitch was just happily watching from the snowmobile. Yeah, I was on the snowmobile already and they just forgot to tie up the sled again. So it was all on their end. That was hilarious. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I know that you started a lot younger than I did on skis. Is there any advice that you would give to people who are maybe a little bit older, maybe 20s, 30s, and they're looking to get into skiing and snowboarding? Well, here, I can start it off. Do not turn your kneecap inside out like Mitch did, apparently. That seems like a good place to start. That's definitely a good place to start. I would say just as with any hobby, just get out there and do it and don't sit around like wondering if you want to try it or not. Just go and try it if you get the chance ski places you can always usually find ski equipment to rent at the place or even take like a learn to ski lesson but i mean it's really pretty simple you you can even start with the plastic snowboard and skis that you know that's i think where i very first started that you get at walmart where you just take outside to your local sled hill in the winter time but you know just kind of getting that feeling for anything if you're gonna learn skiing at least i know ice skating comes pretty close to it 
at least the feeling once you're moving. So you can always kind of try with that first. Absolutely. Any kind of roller skating, rollerblading, ice skating will help you on skis. And I found that skateboard does kind of help for snowboard. Not a ton. There are some similarities, but you don't use your edge on a skateboard. So that's the only thing. The balance, though, is where the skateboard really comes into play. Learning how to stand on something and be comfortable moving sideways towards your destination. But definitely practice, practice, practice makes perfect. Keep going to the mountains, keep going to your local sled hills with whatever equipment you can scrounge up and we can guarantee that you will see improvements as long as you keep at it. Oh, and hey guys, wear helmets. Didn't think I had to say that one, but you know, I guess we should. You definitely sound like my mom there, but yes, absolutely wear a helmet if you're learning how to ski or snowboard. I mean, just look at them in steep. Everyone's wearing a helmet there, and it looks cool. Well, if you're still around, thanks for letting us ramble for a little bit this week. This has been episode 18 of the Steepcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, join our Discord page, and as always, all of that information is down below. Thank you to everyone who let us use their content for this week's episode. I'm Nick. And I'm Mitch. And we'll see you guys on the slopes. This show is brought to you by the Nick and Mitch Network. To start your own podcast, head to nickandmitch.com slash podcasts.